as we continue to make our journey around the NFL on today's episode, we head to the NFC South. It's the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Once again, everyone, this is the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for logging in, joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. As we are doing for the next, oh, roughly week and a half, we're making our way around the NFL, looking at the various conferences. We've already covered the NFC. I almost said the NFL North, the NFC North the NFC West, and today we head to the NFC South, where just two years ago it was the home of the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you've been following along with us, as you'll note, that we'll cover the conference in the order in which we think they are going to place by the end of the season. Now, let's note something. Has camp has officially opened for everyone. Some of what we're talking about may have already changed. That's going to be the beauty, especially for the Green Bay Packers. Once some teams get a better look at some of their rookies or some of their younger players, there are going to be rookies, rookies, there are going to be veterans, excuse me, made available That, as we talked about in speaking of the Packers and the NFC North, I still believe there is a marquee receiver out there waiting on that one-year deal that will play for Green Bay and make that receiving core a little bit deeper. But that's for further on down the summer. Today, as I noted, we head to the NFC South. And even though the man is about to turn 45 years old, You cannot talk about the NFC South without talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so Tampa Bay, with Tom Brady at the helm, it's kind of like having Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. When you have Tom Brady at the helm, you're giving yourself an unbelievable advantage over the rest of the league. All of these teams that have marquee-level quarterbacks, an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, a Russell Wilson, you can go on and on and on down the line. They give themselves an advantage when going into this upcoming season and the ability to potentially either make a deep playoff run or even a Super Bowl run. So when you look at Tampa Bay, and obviously Tom Brady, he's going to be 45. At some point, we've said it time and time again, age always wins. Age is undefeated. Tom Brady has found a way to keep age shall we say off in the distance until the fourth quarter sometimes age catches players at halftime 
Sometimes age catches players at the end of the first quarter. You never know, but age always wins. Tom Brady's figured out a way to take age into the fourth quarter. Might even be headed down to the two-minute drill. But at some point, regardless of what Tom Brady has been doing to stay both mentally and physically in the game, age is going to take over. Whether that's this year, which many believe now will be Tom Brady's last year, or next, whatever the case may be, we'll have to wait and see, can Tom Brady be the quarterback that he's been? And right now he's given no indication that he can't. So you go into this season, if you're Tampa Bay, you have Tom Brady, you have Leonard Fournette in the back in the backfield, which is a bit of contention now with Tampa because he came in overweight. So is the focus for Leonard Fournette as great as it has been when he got to Tampa Bay and saw a little bit of a resurgence with his career? Will Camp be able to whip Leonard Fournette into shape, so to speak, and get him back to where he was, especially two years ago when they made that Super Bowl run? Tampa Bay added Julio Jones. You pair him up with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And that's the kind of receiving core I think many Packer fans wish Aaron Rodgers had, especially going into this season. So offensively, Tampa Bay is sound. Now, in the offseason, they picked up Russell Gage, a very good wide receiver. The biggest, I think, acquisition for my taste was they went out and got Shaq Mason to play guard in that offensive line. If you've got somebody like Tom Brady, who is aging, obviously, who's never been the most mobile quarterback in the world, having somebody like Shaq Mason in that offensive line to help shore things up, a veteran, a leader, a very capable offensive lineman now plugged in at that guard spot, I think makes Tampa Bay even exceedingly better than what we may have thought going into this season. And a lot of times you think of that receiving core, like I just noted, as being the most valuable, and it is valuable, but making sure you've got yourself protected, boy, that that helps out, especially with an aging quarterback. They also picked up Logan Ryan, who at the cornerback spot will be extremely solid for Tampa Bay. Now, when you're able to also retain some people like Jason Pierre-Paul, or in Dominican Sioux, even though they are still free agents, the cap space that was left by Rob Gronkowski should allow Tampa Bay to retain those guys and make a deep run. So if if I'm a betting person, which yeah, sometimes that, that occurs, I'm looking at Tampa Bay to win the NFC South this season. Against these other teams within their division, they are still head and shoulders above the rest. This reminds me of what the NFC North was like a few years ago, where the Packers were on top and everybody else was fighting essentially for second place. And when we talked about the NFC North, we noted how good on paper right now the Vikings look and that they could possibly dethrone Green Bay at the top spot. When you look at the NFC South right now, again, on paper, going into training camp, going into the preseason, you have to believe Tampa Bay is the team to beat. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll make our way through 
the rest of the NFC South because I have a feeling the difference between the top spot and two, three, and four is going to be significant. We'll talk about it in just a sec. Let's make our way through the rest of the NFC South. And this potentially has the look of what could be probably the worst division in the NFL going into this season. So we've talked about Tampa Bay, who are head and shoulders again in preseason on paper above everybody else. Next up, the New Orleans Saints. Now, the New Orleans Saints are going through a major shakeup, so to speak, when Sean Payton decided to step down, whose name you'll hear consistently throughout this season, coming back either with Dallas or Miami. Sean Payton will be the hottest candidate on the coaching search once we once we get through week one. I mean, Dallas, when we get to the NFC East, we'll talk about the Cowboys and where they stand. But Mike McCarthy has been on the hot seat. Dallas has not produced the way many thought they would. And so the connection between Jerry Jones and Sean Payton already exists. And unfortunately for Mike McCarthy, going into week one, he's already on the hot seat. And they haven't even started a season yet. So we'll keep an eye on that. But how that affects New Orleans will remain to be seen. They bring in Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith now in his first year at the helm fully taking over the program down in New Orleans will have his work cut out for him. They'll bring back Jameis Winston at $14 million a season. They pushed hard to get Deshaun Watson. And when we get to the AFC side of things, and we'll talk about Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns, I think there are many teams, even though they hoped that Deshaun Watson would end up on their roster, I think are breathing a sigh of relief that Cleveland got what they got, and we'll get to that when we get to the AFC. So they've got Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, who has shown flashes once again of what he was at Tampa when Jameis Winston was on fire. You hope that Jameis Winston can regain his credibility within the league. And I I shouldn't say credibility. I want to say more consistency within the league as far as his play goes. There have been injuries, there have been mistakes, a number of things that have come into play. So you put Jameis Winston in the mix. They've added a few in safety Marcus May and Daniel Sorensen. I think the the New Orleans Saints could surprise some people. However, I don't think the New Orleans Saints are going to be as prominent as some people think. There are a lot of people who prognosticate this kind of thing and think that the New Orleans Saints are going to be head and shoulders better than what they were. So already we get into the season and Michael Thomas is on the pup list. They did pick up Jarvis Landry, which I think was a great pickup for the New Orleans Saints. And if you were going to pair him with Michael Thomas, that would have been a receiving core, once again, to keep an eye on. But the fact that you go into camp with Michael Thomas once again on the pup list, who has been an enigma 
for the New Orleans Saints, to say the least. You just don't get that same, uh, that same warm feeling that you hoped you had for Saints fans, but they still will be at least better than the following two within the division. And coming in third, we'll take the Carolina Panthers. Now, the Carolina Panthers have they've got some pieces in place. They're in the midst of a rebuild. I don't think Matt Rule's tenure there has been what they had hoped. Um, it, it hasn't necessarily worked out. You've got Christian McCaffrey there, who is, is the go-to guy, right? He's the jack-of-all-trades. He can be in your backfield. You can put him in the slot. He's done a lot of good things for you. But Christian McCaffrey's size has been his detriment all along. And so if you can find a way to keep him healthy, injury-free, that's an element you want to see. Now, the biggest story probably going in will be Baker Mayfield, who the Panthers acquired to battle Sam Darnold for the starting quarterback position. That soap opera will play out all through training camp, and it will be one that everybody's going to keep an eye on. Baker Mayfield obviously wore out his welcome with Cleveland. Baker Mayfield, I think it's fair to say, is a very good quarterback. I don't know if he's a great quarterback yet, but he's a very good quarterback. But persona, from things that you read, may be a detriment to him. Sam Darnold, who was the darling coming out of the draft, has never had the opportunity to really develop. You know, you get thrown into that jet situation. I don't care if people say, well, they gave him all the opportunities they could. The Jets are a team an organization, that's a hot mess. So again, you throw a young quarterback into a situation like that where the development stalls, it didn't work out. So he goes to Carolina. Carolina gets in the midst of a coaching change. Now you bring in Baker Mayfield. Sam Darnold needs a spot, whether it's with Carolina or somewhere else where he can learn. That to me, Sam Darnold's got all of the physical attributes. Sam Darnold needs a a spot where it's fundamentally sound, unlike the Jets, and he's not stuck in the midst of a quarterback competition like he has now with Baker Mayfield. Now, some people would argue that you need that competition. That's what will bring out the best in you. And in some cases, I think you're exactly right. But Sam Darnold just hasn't had the opportunity to fully develop. And I think if given that opportunity, he could still potentially be a very good quarterback in the NFL. Quite honestly, I would love to see Sam Darnold in Seattle. I I think in Seattle, he would fare very, very well. And so we'll have to see what happens uh, with that quarterback competition, who stays and who goes, who gets the number one nod and who doesn't, obviously. And finally, There isn't much to say about this team, unfortunately, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. They pick up Marcus Mariota um, in the offseason as a free agent. He's going to be the stopgap at quarterback for the time being. They, They just right now are in the midst of a complete rebuild. If I had to equate the Atlanta Falcons to another team, to me the Atlanta Falcons are much like the Chicago Bears, two teams that have lost their way, 
who are trying to restructure and rebuild in hopes of in the next three or four years finding themselves as a prominent franchise once again. Atlanta, let's remember, was at one time one of the most prominent franchises in the NFL. They had success. They, they just seemingly did everything correct. But now, outside of maybe Kyle Pitts at the tight end spot, who are you afraid of if you're a defensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons? So I think if you're a Falcons fan, it's going to be a long year. And with that long year, hopefully you get another high draft pick. Hopefully you pick well. And hopefully in the next three or four years, we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons vying for that number one position within the NFC South. But I don't think it will be this year. With that, we'll wrap things up on this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast as we continue to make our trip around the NFL. The next one up, the NFC East, and we'll break down the NFC East like we've been doing with the other conferences. When we conclude our breakdown of the NFC East, we'll make our picks to let you know who we think is coming out of the NFC to play in Super Bowl 57. Way too early to make that pick but way too fun not to. So we'll do that after we break down the NFC East. And with that, as always, I say thank you for joining us. I'm Don Wachillis. Be kind. Take care of one another. We'll talk to you soon.